Welcome. Bonjour. Vous écoutez le podcast Dirty Feet sur les ondes de No More Radio. You're listening to the Dirty Feet podcast on the No More Radio Network. Nous sommes vos animateurs et animatrices. We are your hosts, Alison Burns, J.D. Papillon et Stéphanie Morin-Robert. Listen in. Écoutez. We're going to move you. This is Alison Burns, and I'm here at Mainline Theatre, 3997 Saint Laurent in Montreal. And we're going to be discussing the Rocky Horror Show today. I am actually performing in the show as a phantom, one of the supporting dancers, and I'll be speaking with a few other people involved in the creation of the show. The show will take place October 21st to 24th at 8 p.m. with an extra 11 o'clock performance on the Friday and Saturday night. So on today's episode, we're venturing into the world of musical theater, and we're going to be talking to some of the artists involved in Mainline's production of the Rocky Horror Show, uh, which is a live musical. So we've got the full band, we've got the cast of characters, as well as a, a pile of supporting dancers um, for a total of, of over 20 people involved in, in even just on stage in this production, not to mention everybody behind scenes as well. So we're going to be talking to some, uh, well, veterans at this point of the production. It seems that uh, once you get hooked on this project, you just don't stop. So we're going to start with uh, Holly Greco, who is the assistant director this year and also one of the co-choreographers. And she has choreographed on the, the project in the past. Hi, Holly. Hello. <laughs> Why do you keep coming back to Rocky? Oh, it's the best drug there is. The music is amazing and the team that I've gotten to work with the last couple of years it's kind of shifted and people have come in and out but it's always stellar team great cast um it's just such an easy show to fall in love with really and uh, we also have Patrick Lloyd Brennan here who is uh rounding out the choreographic team so Amy Blackmore who's the director is choreographing as is Holly as is Patrick and uh Patrick has worked on the production four times in the past uh performing, choreographing, all the rest. So same question, what keeps you coming back? Um, I think I would say what keeps me coming back specifically to this production is that it happens at Mainline, actually. And I think it's just, it's the perfect musical to happen in this space with the kind of audiences that we get and with kind of the, the fringe and Mainline family. That's actually something that I think really brings me back every year. And then uh, our last guest today is uh, Lindsay Milner, who is uh, one of the performers. She's actually playing Magenta in this year's production and played a phantom or like the supporting dance role for the last two years for the mainline production. So uh, welcome. And uh, what brings you back? Uh, well, I would I would echo what Holly and Patrick said. Uh, in addition, I find the Rocky Horror Show, it's such great music and it's so much fun to do. And uh, I feel like it's... It, you can play with it every year it's different it's like it's it's not shakespeare but it's like it's like shakespeare where you can every director has a different take on it so even though you do the same show three years in a row it feels new new every time and speaking of the the differences for this year um with this production that mainline does there's always been a, a few people involved in the choreography of the show but i get the impression that yes this year in particular the the choreographic structure of the show kind of has 
has taken a lot more um, prominence in the development of the performance. And I'm wondering if, if Patrick or Holly can speak to that. Yeah, I mean, the director's a choreographer, right? <laughs> she does it, she kind of does it all. And as well, I'm talking about Amy Blackmore, of course, and for myself as the assistant director. So it, it to me, it, it makes perfect sense that we would be putting choreography in the forefront of, uh, of the production and it, and it just lends itself so well to that. And we have a cast who is so capable of anything that we throw at them more so than ever before. I think it's fair to say both in terms of character development and how that affects choreography. Uh, we have characters who, some who don't feel super strong dancing or learning choreography, so they take the time and work on themselves to decide and make the choices of how their character would move, and um, they do the work, basically. So, I mean, yeah, it, to me, it, it makes a lot of sense. It just seems like a, a group that wants to move. Yeah, and I think... Uh, Building on that, I think that because we have such a talented, um, such a talented cast and, and such talented, amazing performers, it's allowed us um, to sort of open up the creative process or the yeah. Um, so I feel like we've really we've taken the time to explore certain things and not just come in every mm -hmm. time with the set, you know, set counts of eight and this is the way it has to look, but really working with the performers and and working with their strengths. Um, and I think that that's that's brought us to new places in the show. And then, Lindsay, from the perspective of, of one of the performers in the show, being led by a director for, for three years now, if you can um, at all illustrate what, what the difference is with the, with the physicality in this year's show. That's interesting. I would say it's a, it's a very physical show this year. It's, I mean, Rocky's always physical. <laughs> but it's a very uh, dance-filled show this year, and it's great. I'm so impressed with all my castmates. Um, everybody's really bringing so much to the table. So co-choreographing, yeah. this is always a, an interesting topic. And so there's three of you and also a tap choreographer, Jessica Alley, uh, in the mix. Um, how do you, you divide up uh, tasks and how do you involve each other in, in one another's kind of sections of the work? Um, I think it's safe, fair to say in the past years that we've kind of been like, what do you want to do? Um, and just gone through all the numbers in the show. And if anybody's got like, oh, this year I really want to do Sweet Transvestite. And everybody always wants to do Sweet Transvestite. It's, the, it's one of the strongest numbers. But um, yeah, we usually just go through, go through the music as a team and go, is there anything screaming at you? Are you particularly inspired by one thing or another? And this year we kind of did that and it all kind of fell apart and not even in a negative way like really and just organically we I kind of was like oh I think I might want to do this and everybody was like okay cool and then it came to it and we either did it as a group which has never happened before um, or it just kind of fell into somebody else's hands and it was totally natural and made the most sense and the most logical um, for sure but also this is the first year that we're collaborating on the same number. So it would be Holly choreographs Hopatuti, Patrick choreographs once in a while, you know, like very segregated. Whereas this year, like Patrick and I are doing Hopatuti together. Um, Amy and I worked on Frankenstein plays together. Like, you know, there's a lot of actual collaboration within the numbers in terms of structure, pacing, actual choreography, character development. There's, it, there's a lot that happens and we're really we're leaning on each other mm -hmm. quite a bit in a really awesome way. 
Yeah, and I think um, uh, what I've sort of learned from from this experience too, and and I'm really enjoying it, is that it's really a lot of checking in, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're still, you know, you still have the your own independence in terms of you know what you want to put out there, what you want to, what sort of steps you want to use, or that kind of a thing. But then it's sort of you've always got this process that you go through after and like does that work with you does that work with what you hadn't you know had envisioned for this section or does that work with what you you know have in mind for this character and and in a way that really that adds to some depth to to the movement mm. that you're putting out there mm-hmm. because you know that you know that uh, it's sorry, researched yeah exactly it's researched and it's it's everybody in the group is sort of on board with it so it's not just going out. It's not going out there and just with the glitz and glam of this move is going to look great. It makes sense in terms of the rest of the story and the rest of the play and the rest. You know. Another big change this year, as we mentioned at the top, is uh, the size of the cast. So you have 15 people who are phantoms, and then your leads are also dancing. Um, how does this change? Like, uh, obviously, you can make an impact with a large crowd of people. And how have you been taking advantage of that? I mean, I think at first we were really, we were fucking jazzed that we were going to have that many people, to be frank. Um, And then I had a moment where I was like, oh my God, we have a lot of people. And it wasn't, there was a moment where it was not exciting and it was incredibly challenging of how do you split these people up? How do you spread them out over the course of the show? How, you know, do they have their own characters? Is there two groups of phantoms that we're working with? Like, so it, it actually took a lot more organization. And, but for my, like, I don't know if it's like my competition dance background, but I was like, more bodies on stage doing fun moves means better number. You know, like really, I don't know. So there's something very shallow about being like, yeah, more bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it, we, I, I personally hit a point where it was challenging. Uh, but now it, I mean, it just paints the space so well and we can have people in the audience while we have people dancing on stage. So we actually have people in the audience messing with the audience members and while we have people on stage dancing, doing full choreography. So it's, I mean, definitely in terms of sensation for the audience, it's, it's an overwhelming experience. I mean, just in general, um, with content and everything, but I think having that many bodies on stage also just kicks it up a notch in a really big way on the audience topic sort of thing um i I also feel like it's it's something that we've had to sort of look at in terms of of pacing the overall show in terms of okay well there's just been three numbers where we've had 20 people on stage maybe now we need to bring it down to one or two um and so it's just i don't know it's just sort of being aware of the Mm. audience and aware of what they can handle or or what the play is telling us to do like you know is this a moment where it needs to be a little bit more intimate and we really need to understand what they're talking about although that's pretty difficult to the rocky but uh, (laughs) um but yeah you know do we need to feel a little bit closer and and intimate with these performers um so yeah it's just been i think an interesting some interesting choices have been made in that sense just from my perspective having been in this this is my third year and i was a phantom for the last two years and last year we had a very small number of phantoms we had i think there were five of us 
you know, five or six of us and, and we had to scramble. I mean, we had to learn every single dance number and we had to move lots of props around, um, and fill a lot of space and have a lot of personality. And we did it. But this year, it's really neat to see a huge group of phantoms and, and what the director and the choreographers are able to do with that many bodies and that many personalities. And it's neat seeing them all take on their own phantom character and, and progress through the play. Lindsay, I'd like to know how uh, it's been going transitioning from being a phantom for a couple of years into playing one of the leads into being magenta. Well, I'm really loving playing magenta. It's super exciting. Uh, being a phantom was also wonderful. Um, and I was also the usherette. I sang the, the opening and the closing. Um, I think I think it gives me a lot of respect for the phantoms and all the things that they're expected to know and do and pick up really quickly. Um, and I, it also, I'm noticing I'm not getting as much of a workout this year. <laughs> normally, normally Rocky is like my, my fall workout and I get back in shape again. And this year I'm doing a lot more standing around the set. <laughs> uh, so I've been uh, doing some sit-ups on my own time. <laughs> There's something magical about the, the, the community around Rocky Horror. Um, both in, in the people participating in the show and the people who come out to see it. Uh, I'm wondering if, if anyone can put into words kind of what that's all about and where that comes from, like as if we're going to try and describe this to somebody who's never heard of Rocky Horror before. The way I can sort of sum it up, I think, is really in um, one of the songs towards the end of the play where it's Don't Dream It, Be It, which is really, you know, a, one of the main sort of mottos, I think, that comes out of of the play and the movie as well. Um, and I think that that just, like, sort of being able to live your dreams and to be whoever you want to be and to be wild, be crazy, to to, you know, explore your sexuality and to be open to all these things, I think that that those words, those, that line really sort of sums that up in some way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that also, I don't know, I guess because that sort of it really comes out of the show that it then draws that public in, that audience in, um, you know, I, in years past and I know it's going to happen again, you know, it's awesome looking out into around the room and there's, you know, teenagers, older teenagers <laughs> due to the content of the show. Um, but then, you know, there's, there's people that are in their fifties, sixties, sometimes even seventies that are there and it still speaks to them, you know? I think we'd be remiss to, to not mention like what a monumental, maybe I'm overstepping, monumental, let's go with it, film it is for the queer community also because it has um, heterosexual sex, it has homosexual sex, it has uh, cross-dressing, it has just uh, orgies. It's got it's got something for everybody, really. Um, so, I mean, I think it came out of that also because this, the, the film, if we can just take it to the film for a moment, and, and I, I suppose the... Um, the show as well, it's supposed to kind of take place in the 50s where obviously everybody was much more sexually inhibited. It was filmed in the 70s and came into fruition in the 70s, but it's set in the 50s, so which I think is a kind of representation of being shy about your sexuality and what you're into and fetish and what you're not into, et cetera, et cetera. And this kind of put it on a platter um, and just put it all out there. And as I say, something for everybody. So you could feel represented, I think, and celebrated. I mean, I think, yeah, it's, a, it's just a, such a big part of the community. 
I, I agree. I think that's partly what made it become such a cult phenomenon is what Patrick and Holly have just said, is that it really embraces the don't dream it, be it, be weird if you're weird, be sexual if you're sexual. Um, I think that's why it, it blew up the way that it did. Um, it's also got great music and it's also got a lot of, a lot of emphasis from, from the science fiction um, genre, which I think make, can make it confusing for a newcomer because mm-hmm. there's there's a bunch of sexuality inspired by Ziggy Stardust that's like, you know, they went America went from the 1950s to from innocence to the 1960s of like crazy psychedelics to the 1970s of like let's all be sexual aliens um, <laughs> um, with David Bowie um, and that transition I think is is echoed in this play. And and Richard O'Brien also put in a whole bunch of campy references to the movies of the fifties that were so popular, those science fiction movies with aliens and vampires and and all this over the top craziness. Um, so it can be overwhelming for a first timer, but there's a lot there. If I think some people don't see how much is there, but I think there's a lot there. And the public is encouraged to dress up and is encouraged to heckle and just please don't throw anything on stage. There's a whole <laughs> whole crew of people trying to put on a show. So, But otherwise, come out in droves and enjoy it. Being, being an audience member myself for the last couple of productions that Mainline has done of Rocky Horror, um, I, I noted that the it gets a little bit crazy um, in this kind of interpretation of the show. And this year it's going to uh, be extra special. The, the lead role of Dr. Frankenfurter is, uh, is going to be played by a new character, a new, a new take on Frankenfurter. I'm wondering if anyone wants to talk about that. Yeah, we have uh, Stephanie McKenna, who's going to be playing Frankenfurter. Um, who's a woman. <laughs> I feel like I should say that. Um, she's in a female identifying human. And, uh, I mean, just that alone is a really fun, refreshing interpretation of the show and playing with, um, all, it just adds more questions to Frank. He's got, he's got so much behind him that you're not really sure. And he could, his mood swings, he could change at a moment's notice. And he is this sexual being that you don't understand why you're attracted to, but you are. And he's an alien. And then we add on breasts and, uh, and something in her pants. And you're kind of going, wait a minute, what am I, what are we dealing with here? So I, it almost adds to the ambiguity a little bit of this character. Um, and I mean, of course, I think Frank is supposed to be ever so slightly jarring when you first come across him. And I do use the pronoun him. We've just decided to keep it and not change it and not question it and just let the audience do the work on their own. But when you do meet him, I mean, of course, in 2015, I don't think it's as insane to see, uh, you know, essentially a drag queen. But yeah, so when you first see him, you're kind of, it's a little bit of a confusion. But that what I love so much about Steph as a performer is that she makes, that all just melts away and you don't necessarily need to understand. I mean, that just comes with the territory of the show. Don't try and figure it out because there's a whole (laughs) lot of hooks that don't make sense. But in terms of this character, you fall in love with her and you just start to look at her as a person and, um, 
who emotes and feels and is cruel and is loving. And she really brings, she humanizes Frank in a really interesting way that isn't gender specific. Um, we also have a narrator this year who's being played by a woman, which, I mean, has happened. It's not terribly revolutionary. But um, in our mainline productions, we've had uh, a male narrator for the last few years. So, I mean, there's not a lot of roles for women in the show, and I'm not saying that's why we did it, but it is really nice to have more women in the show and not just as our phantoms, our, our playthings. You know what I mean? You also did something fun last year with Rocky mm-hmm. in the same same vein. Yeah, we had um, Sophia play Rocky. We had a woman Rocky as well, which, of course, then Janet falling in love with Rocky has a whole other connotation to it. And touch it, touch it, touch me was a very different scene with two women exploring sexuality together. Um, and Sophie was amazing. I mean, she is a bodybuilder, so she, the stereotypical um, Rocky doing push-ups, Rocky having muscles was like a walk in the park for her. She's like, oh, what, these six-pack the six pack abs? No big deal. Um, and again, with Rocky, I mean, we have somebody totally different for Rocky this year. We have Dane Stewart, but who isn't, isn't like Sophie. Obviously, he's not a woman, but he doesn't have the, like, super cut, Muscles. He is incredibly appealing in his own way. He's super handsome. He's so easy to fall in love with. I mean, I think you have a little crush on everybody when you walk away from the show, no matter what the gender or how you identify. <laughs> That's the hope, at least. That's what we're working towards. <laughs> so that must leave you convinced at this point. Rocky Horror is playing at the Mainline Theater October 21st to the 24th at 8 p.m. every night, and then on the Friday and Saturday again at 11. Um, So stop on by. Thank you very much for joining me, guys. We've been speaking with Lindsay Milner, Holly Greco, and Patrick Lloyd Brennan. The Dirty Feet Podcast is produced and hosted by Produit et animé par Alison Burns J.D. Papillon et Stéphanie Morin-Robert We have Mainline Theatre, Montreal Improv Theatre and Paula Flalo to thank. Merci pour le soutien. Vous pouvez visiter notre site web, écouter les derniers épisodes, lire notre blog, nous aimer sur Facebook et nous suivre sur Twitter. You can visit our website, listen to past episodes, read our blog, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Show us some love and help us spread the word. Montrez-nous un peu d'amour et aidez-nous à passer le mot.